the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Yes, indeed. Time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. And here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself, live in studio, ready to take your phone calls at 855 767 Three one two three. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Chris. And how are you today? So far, so good. I mean, I've uh, I've got my clock almost ready. I, I'm kind of a little upset that I'm losing an hour of sleep tomorrow, but I guess I'll get over it. Oh, is that? I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Tomorrow's the day. So Solid. we spring forward, right? Spring forward, but lose an hour of sleep. So yeah, that's what's happening. So when I wake up tomorrow morning at six o'clock, it's really seven. It's really seven. You lost an extra hour of sleep. So go to sleep well, an hour. Go to bed a little bit earlier there tonight. There you go, right? an extra hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But it is a truly it is truly daylight saving. So at least we'll have more day more hours of light. Which Good. Is, which is nice. You can get outside a little bit more, especially earlier in the morning, and enjoy your morning workout. You know, I'm going to roll that right into the stock market. How's that sound? Let's roll. Because you're going, hey, we're going to get more hours of light, more daytime. It's all good, right? Sort of. Springing forward because spring is coming, and that means the grass starts growing. <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just never perfect. That's what's going on in the stock market today. <laughs> or or, or uh, Friday, I should say. You know, February 5th, we had a wonderful jobs report, and we had great news on wages. Wages went up 2.9%. Wow. And, you know, then we fast forward to yesterday, March 9th, 2018, and the market just explodes up, up to the upside very nicely. Why? What's going on? What changed month over month? You know, jobs report came in. Uh, Friday morning, we created 313,000 jobs in February, and and basically the consensus was about 222, mm-hmm. uh, or, or excuse me, about 220 or so. So so when you look at that, everybody's like, wow, we created a lot of jobs, but wait, hold on, hold on. What about wages? Where were wages? Wages actually slowed a little bit by three-tenths of a percent. In other words, they were at 2.6% versus 2.9. So so when you're looking at this scenario in the market and 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 um you know before the show I was talking to Chris about about this a little bit and I was explaining Goldilocks, you know, oh, this bed's too soft, this bed's too hard, this bed's just right. Yeah. Well, Friday's jobs report was just right, you know. So when you when you stop and you say, "Okay, we had great jobs uh created last month." And wages grew moderately, not too little, not 
too much, but just right. As a result, you see what ha- you saw what happened in the market on Friday after the report came out. Yeah, but it, it still isn't back to where it, where it was. It seems like we're, we're getting a little bit better, but there's still a little sauerkraut on the cake, if you will. Well, the market's up 4% for the year, Chris. So last year, the S&P did 19, and year-to-date, it's up 4 Okay. 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 Yeah. So it was up six at the end of January. So we're two points behind. That's what you it know. Means, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So that's like normal volatility at this point. Okay. Yeah. So when you stop and you and you look at at how this report was just right on Friday with moderate wage growth. Okay. That's really perfect. That also points out that there's what we call slack in the jobs market. In other words. Employment isn't as tight. The unemployment number stayed the same at 4.1%, okay, which is good. But you also saw something that, that was quite interesting to me. I haven't seen this in quite a while, and that's the, the participation rate. In other words, how many people are out there actually working? And it went from 627 up to 63%. Which, you know, people go, wow, that's not a big number. Well, it is, because for years it's been declining downward. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're actually getting more people. We're actually moving the needle there a little bit, which is good news. So at the end of the day here, th- you know, the, the, the market now is finally trading on corporate earnings and forward-looking economic data as the Fed has pulled back and the Fed is starting to tighten a little bit. So so we're getting back to some real true Wall Street fundamentals that we used to have way back in the day. And, and I'm talking before the financial crisis back in 2007, 2008. So, so from that standpoint, it's, it's, very, it's very good uh, to, to, to see a healthy you know, uh, market, a healthy economy continuing to expand and grow. So basically going forward, and I've been telling people this, since we got the report in February, the stock market is going to start trading, okay, on inflationary news. Mm-hmm. Next month, if we get a jobs report that comes out and it's blockbuster again, but wages have, have, have moved way up, then that's going to show that there's, there's good signs that inflation is coming into the economy and the Fed's probably going to raise a, a little bit more. There's debate this morning. I was reading on, on uh, economic forecasts. Uh, to today, you know, the different e- uh, economists that are forecasting on the Wall Street Journal. I was reading that early this morning, and <clears throat> now some people are starting to say, well, maybe it's not four rate hikes this year. Maybe the Fed may not raise interest rates four times this year. Uh, maybe it's only three. And and so we're going to have to wait and stop and see. But the bottom line here is the market is going to be trading on inflationary news, whether it's positive, indifferent, or or, or negative. And yesterday's was just right. It was Goldilocks, just right. And that's why you saw the market react the way it did. Well, we started out as a jobless recovery. Remember back when we we were kind of getting things back on track again? Is it a point now where that's kind of come full circle and we're actually starting to see that get into a better place and so things are getting stronger? You know, yes, but let's talk about come full circle. When we talk about a business cycle, that, you know, let's, let's close off the loop. Let's talk full circle from from recession to recession. So when you come out of a recession, you get into a, a, a uh, stabilization period, you get into an expansion, a growth, and then you get into where it's too pricey and things like that, and then you roll back into a recession again. So we're not there yet, but we are moving in the direction of things 
you know, continuing to expand in this market cycle. You know, this is the third longest cycle that we've had. The um, U.S. has been keeping track of, of uh, economic expansions since I think it was 1854, and this is the third longest one that we've had. Does that mean next week it's going to stop? No, not necessarily. Does it mean it's going to continue for another five years? No, but it could, right? You just don't know. So there are there are leading economic indicators. There's inflationary pressure, things like this that we're talking about. And as remember, just boiling this down, Chris, to answer your question specifically, when we start to see wages rise and we start to see prices go up, then the Federal Reserve is going to act and they're going to raise interest rates to sort of slow down the purchasing, slow down the economy. Because remember, they have two mandates, maximum employment and price stability. We've reached maximum employment now. Maximum employment is defined by 5% or less on employment. We're sitting at 4.1. Mm-hmm. So now they've pivoted their, their attention towards price pressures, inflationary pressures. And one of the leading indicators of price pressures is – Wages are wa- what are wages doing? What's the wage particip- What are wages rising? Are they stagnant? Are they falling or whatever? And since 2008, to your point, we've had a wageless type of a job uh, of a recovery. Now wages are starting to pick up, so the Fed's on top of it. So there's a great debate amongst you know amongst my circles. Are they going to raise two, three, four times this year? How much? Well, we'll we'll find out here pretty soon. Uh, on, on on the first wage rate uh, rate that's going to be coming up here um, shortly in the next in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. And what's the what's the overall uh, effect going to be when they do raise those rates? Are we still looking at with these new tax proposals and some of the changes that the Fed is making and the government is making? Does that, in your opinion, does that look like uh, we're going to continue to to grow and to expand or? Well, it's going to be very interesting when when you stop and you take a look at the end of the first quarter, January, February, March. So in April and May, corporations are going to be reporting their earnings for the first quarter this year. And it's going to be the first time that they're reporting the earnings under the new tax code. So it's, it's you know, there's lots of optimism out there about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could see some, some earnings, you know, forecasts have been moving up uh, in anticipation of this. Estimates have been moving up. So, hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. I like to always start the show off each week with a little bit of what happened in the markets this past week and the economy. Uh, so we just did that. We're going to open up the phone lines. We're going to take a quick break here. Give us a call if you have any questions on the economy, on interest rates, on the new taxes. What's going on in your 401K, your government TSP? Are you concerned about retirement? What kind of college funding questions do you have? And do you have the right amount of insurance? Every topic's open up today. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees. 
and that averages around 500 to 550 dollars a year total that means food lodging the teaching the education part the the uniform that whole thing call now 703-201-2494 or go to starschildrenafrica.org for a dollar and a half a day one child would be educated for that year in high school 703-201-2494 call right now For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Larry? Sure, Chris. Chris, let's welcome uh, Robert on the line. Good morning, Robert. How are you today? I'm doing just fine, Larry. How are you doing? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Okay, thank you for taking my call. Larry, I have two questions. Uh, Number one, um, I'm making plans to sell some stock, and my question is, when I sell the stock, will I receive uh, from the broker uh, a statement showing what I paid for the stock and what it sold as? This is my question number one. And question number two, can you... um, Elaborate upon what are the advantages of, tran- of closing out, uh, transferring a um, traditional account into a Roth account? Sure. Now, Robert, is the stock that you're going to sell is it inside of an IRA or not? No, it's not inside an. It is not inside an IRA. Okay, so the answer to your question sits on your statement. Pull out your latest statement and see if you have what's called the cost basis in on there. If you have the cost basis already printed on there, it'll say, hey, you bought the stock at $10 a share. Today it's worth $12.52. And if you sell it, then it'll report the cost basis for you. So uh, I believe uh, since 2012 or 13 or something like that, they're supposed to be reporting cost basis. So you could actually have cost basis on this stock for the last few years, but not prior years. If that's the case, then simply call the the broker or wherever your money's uh, at, held at, and ask them, "Hey, I need to get cost basis on there. How do I go about doing it?" Okay. 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 In my case, um, the stock I've had for over thirty years said that I'll have to call them and get the cost basis, right? Yep. You're going to have to talk to them and and get some suggestions on what to do. If you have any any ideas on that, if not, I would talk to your pe- tax preparer about that as well. How to go about uh, estimating the cost basis on there? It's your responsibility to 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 get it as accurate as you can for your taxes. Uh, okay. well, uh, is anything furnished to the IRS when you sell the stock? Yes, absolutely. the tr- The transaction is furnished to the IRS. Definitely, it is. Yep. It's only yep. it's only what, what's furnished is what I uh, what I that transaction, the current transaction, but it's not going to inform them what I pay for the stock. It will not. That is correct. That's what you have okay. to put on your tax return. That's correct. Okay. And okay. then the second question here is what are the, what are the, the advantages of, of, tr- of converting a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA? Yes. So uh, there, there's a few reasons why one would want to look at converting traditional IRA money to a Roth IRA, and I'll give you some positive reasons first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll slam myself and give you the negative reasons. How's that sound? So so one of the reasons would be for you to want to have the desire to start to receive tax-free income later in, in, in retirement years. I don't know how old you are, but let's just assume you're 60. And suppose you said, all right, I want to make a conversion, either 
uh, one-time conversion now and let the money sit there till let's say I'm 70 and then start enjoying tax-free income in your 70s and 80s. Or maybe you do series of little conversions each year where you might take $10,000 a year for 10 years and then start receiving some income down the road tax-free as well. There's a couple little tax quirks and, and, and uh, what they call ordering distributions when you do series of little conversions, but that, that's another story there. Um, so the idea there would be to receive tax-free income later in life for yourself. Another proponent of or, or another advantage of moving traditional IRA money over to a Roth IRA simply is from an inheritance standpoint. If, if you have uh, heirs that you want to leave money to, you would leave it to them in a tax-free way. Along with um, uh, those two ideas, today is a very interesting scenario because we have what we call tax arbitrage for the first time in a long, long time. And that what I mean by that is at, there was a point, Robert, where you could have been putting money into an IRA or a 401k type of a plan on a pre-tax basis. Let's suppose you were in a 28% tax bracket when you put the money in. Well, today, you due to tax reduction, you may be in a 22% tax bracket. So simply by, by that scenario right there, you put the money in and receive the 28% tax deduction on it, and now you're pulling it out and only having to pay 22% in tax on your conversion. So, so it really, you know, those are the, are, are the big reasons on why one would look to consider tra- uh, converting traditional IRA over to a Roth IRA. Now, the downside of this would be the naysayers would say, well, wait a minute. If you're not being forced to pull the money out of your IRA because you're not 70 and a half yet, then why would you pay an early unnecessary tax to the IRS? So each family is going to have a different dynamic as to what you should or shouldn't do with it all. Um, you know. But I believe in tax allocation strategies. I believe that we need to have some money on the pre-tax side of the world and some money on the post-tax side of the world. And, and that's just sort of how I, I really take a good, good look at it from a tax allocation standpoint. If you want some information, I'll be happy to send you out some information. Uh, we've got lots of clients that look at doing series of little Roth conversions each year. And, um, you know, there's always good news when you're getting tax-free dollars down the road. So does that make yes. sense? Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it if I, if I could get that information. Sure. I'll, let me put you on hold. We'll send you out some information on Roth conversions. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123 to reach me live here in the studio. Let's welcome Janice on the line. Good morning, Janice. How are you today? How are you doing today, sir? I'm well. How can I help you? Great. Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you for your service. A lot of times uh, people don't understand. I think we need to pull from our Christian resources to uh, keep the uh, body healthy. and uh, I Absolutely, that's what it's all about. I attend Chapel Springs where you attend, so um, I probably should go over sometime and pick your brain, but right now I'm getting ready to get a pretty good chunk back from uh, uh, taxes. And I wanted to know, was there something that I could, you know, should I take uh, the amount that I'm getting back? I currently have um, some credit card debt. Uh, we just purchased a house in November. So I was wondering, should I clear up all my debt first, or should I take a portion of that money and try to invest it? Because the way you were speaking about the market, if I could take maybe a thousand, I don't know uh, if this is the case, but and try to take and take that money and make it earn money um, for you know the rest of the year or 
because of the way you spoke about the market turning, if I could take a thousand and you know turn it into five hundred, is that something that that you think is the right time to do that or? Sure, Jenna. So let let me let me uh, uh, talk real quick about you know how how you said we're all one body and want to want to move forward like that. You know, it's it's sort of the same thing when it comes to money. We have money in our checking account, and it serves a purpose and a role in our life. We have money of equity inside of our home, and it serves a purpose and a role in our life. We also have money in our retirement plans. They serve a purpose and a role in our life. I'd like you to get to the point where you can look at your various investments and accounts and go, here's the purpose for it. This is what we're driving towards with this tranche of our money. So when you are when you come into dollars like this, a tax refund or a bonus or something like that, when all of a sudden you receive extra dollars, I'd like you to be able to get to the point where you sit down and you say, okay, how is this going to fit into my financial plan? How is this going to move me and my family's financial planning objectives forward? So when you're saying, should I pay off some debt? Yeah, I'm a big fan in debt reduction, definitely. Uh, and I'm also an equally big fan in, in saving for retirement and college funding and whatever it is that you and your family have down the road. So the answer to your question would really be to sit down and build out a financial plan first and then make a decision off of, hey, you know what? In this case, we are going to pay down the debt because by paying down the debt, it's going to save us $400 a month on our credit card bills. Then we can build that back up and then start investing. But now we're doing it with no debt, and it's going to take a nine-month break-even process or whatever it may be. Do you see what I mean? Right. So, yes, so that's really – that's the real, the real answer is let's measure twice and cut once before we go ahead and make a decision on this because, I'm, I'm, okay. again, I'm a big fan of debt reduction as well as saving and investing. So that's what I'd like right. to, to – to consider well i've i've uh because of parts of the house uh, you know i have a lot of people coming at me for zero uh, percent interest and the card that i have currently have that money on is still at zero percent but i'm gonna have to do something with it by june or it's going to start you know or, um i'm gonna have to start paying on it interest wise so i didn't know whether i should roll that out further or you know just take and pay a large chunk of it so that uh the percent is less, or just you know, transfer. Yeah, we, we have we have to get a. Yeah, we definitely yeah. have to get a debt reduction strategy for the zero interest car because that's a few months away that it's going to be uh, hitting hitting on you. So, right. Uh, so I, you, you're not a fan of rolling it to something else because then you're paying a transfer fee to just it just push it out in the future. Well, I'm a fan of getting a plan together to reduce the debt. And, okay. and that right. plan may encompass, in your case, paying, taking the tax re, the, uh, tax refund and paying it all off or rolling a portion of it or something like that. I don't know the numbers in front of me here, right. obviously, okay. um, but that that's what we would do. I'll tell you what I'll do. Let me put you on hold, and I'll have one of our advisors reach out to you next week and get some, some ideas going on how to build a financial plan and, and what to do with all with this scenario here. How's that sound? Okay, that sounds great. I actually, uh, Linda had spoke with me um, some years back. I was speaking on uh, a 401K issue, so. Okay, that sounds good. Well, I'll put you on hold, and, and we'll have uh, Bobby reach out to you next week. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll see Appreciate you tomorrow at the- church. <laughs> yep, sounds good. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's shoot on over to Silver Spring and welcome Robert on the line. Good morning, Robert. How are you? Hi. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Um, uh, my, my question is, I'm 66. I'm drawing uh, Social Security income, but I'm also working full time. So my question is, um, is there a way that I can get Social Security 
to take the tax out of the uh, Social Security income before they send it to me. And then the income that they send to me, is it best that I reinvest or not reinvest, but invest that income as opposed to just um, putting it in a traditional savings account or checking account? So, Robert, yes, you can instruct Social Security to take taxes out before you receive the check. If okay. you've opened up an online account with them and registered that way, you can go right online and do that, okay? okay. You go to ssa.gov and, and register and follow through the system, and then it'll come into, like, your account, and then you, that'll give you the options to go ahead and do that, okay? Okay. Now, as far as the, the income that they do send to me, um, would it be best that I invest that income? If you don't need it to live off of, then yes, it would be. Yeah, because I, 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 really, I, it's not, I, don't, I really don't need it because I'm working full-time. Uh, yeah, again, if, if you're able to do that, then you can look at putting it into a traditional deductible IRA or, or, or a Roth IRA or just a regular investment type of an account. Um, but it sounds like to me you just have excess cash flow each month, which is a great thing, you know, um, gives you an opportunity to, to, to tithe a little more as well as save a little bit more. So, yeah. So so if there's questions, and this goes back to our uh, an, an earlier caller here, Robert, if there's questions on, on money that's coming into the household and we're not sure what to do, then that tells me that we need to sort of outline a financial plan a little bit more in depth. Uh, th that's what it seems to me that we should be looking at doing. And if you want, I'll have someone reach out to you and sort of get you the building blocks of, of, of the financial plan. We'll send you out our toolkit and, and get that going for you because maybe you should save the money into a, a balanced type of a mutual fund. Maybe you should save it into a technology mutual fund. I want to take a look at all the, the how your investments are all aligned, and that will give you, you know, sort of a balanced, risk-adjusted type of an approach. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the guidance. Yep, absolutely, Robert. Let me put you on hold here. We'll have some, uh, Bobby give you a ring next week. Appreciate the phone call. If you listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Let's stay in uh, up in uh, Maryland. And uh, I can't get uh, Pat on there. Hello? Pat, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay, great. How can I help you? Um, so my question is related to um, debt. I'm trying to find out debt that my parents have when they pass. Does that get passed on to um, me and my siblings, or what type of debt's passed on, if any? Well, it could be directly or indirectly. If if you owned something that they had jointly with them, then yes, it gets passed on to you. If not, then it, the the estate would need to be settled. Either the asset would meet, would need to be sold, and um, uh, you know the the balance paid, or or, or whatever it is. I, I'm not sure what type of debt you're you're speaking of, but the, I do know that the estate needs to be settled. Are you the executor in the estate? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to help them with a couple of things. So they own a business together. The business is not doing well. They're in their 70s and 80s. They're ready to sell. So I'm trying to make sure that we sell it, of course, for the most as possible, but for the most as possible to pay off the business mortgage and their house mortgage. And I don't know what other, other debts they may have out there. I know they have some IRS stuff. So I, I would really get a, a, uh, a, a statement of net worth and take a good look at where everything is 
and then you know to ask them what they want to do um, with with you know retiring the debt and and what their game plan is. But it sounds like to me you need to sort of get a little bit more detail on on their assets and their liabilities to see what happens. Also, ask your your parents if they have any life insurance too. Um, they have a little, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it sounds like to me we just need to get together a good balance sheet um, looking at everything and then uh, just sort of go down each line item list of, of what are their goals, what do they want to try to do, and and then seems that a lot of this is going to hinge on the ability for them to get a reasonable price for their business. Okay, and is that balance sheet something you guys um, do for clients? Yes, we can we can send you out our financial planning toolkit, and inside of that, if you fill it out, then we'll be able to produce a balance sheet uh, pretty accurately for you. Okay, gotcha. Let me put you on hold, Pat, and Bob will get some information, and we'll send that out to you, okay? Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Again, give us a ring here, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Chris, we're going to take a quick break here, I see. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about things in the news. Oh, goody. In the news again. Absolutely. So for Chris and uh, I'm Larry, (laughs) I'm off script here. We'll be back. We'll be back in a moment. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. 571-490-7117. Troy Turo and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. For more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's a phone number for you. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio with us today. Larry. Absolutely, Chris. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, in the news again. I saw all kinds of headlines this past week on subject matter in the news. You remember that song, On the Road Again? Now it's like, In the News Again? Yeah, there you go. Who was that? Willie Nelson, right? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Willie Nelson. Was it? Okay. Willie Nelson. Willie! I love Willie. Yeah. Yeah. 
So okay. good. So, hey, in the news, how do you tap your home equity? What? I'm reading Very this carefully. and I'm seeing, you know, how do you, what do you do with your home equity? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, what do you do? How do you transfer it? Why would you transfer it? What's it there for? Can you use it? So, you know, it's an interesting thing when, and, and we've talked about this from, you know, time to time and over the years on, on you know, homes for, for many people are one of their, their top three largest assets, no doubt about it. And when you stop and you take a look at, at the value of your home, let's suppose you've got a, you have a home and, and it's, you know, worth $400,000 and it's paid for. Um, maybe it's $800,000 and it's paid for or very close to being paid for. And what we see a lot now is people living longer, which is great news, people staying in their homes, which is better news, and, and, and you know staying healthy and active. But their cash flow is a little tight each month. So one of the ways that you can look at improving your cash flow and staying in your home is to utilize the equity inside of your home. Now, this is a you know touchy subject, and we need to sort of break this down a little bit. But you know we've been seeing some stuff in in the planning circles, and and people ask about this all the time. So I thought you know what I'm going to go ahead and do a do a little quick thing on 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 this with people. There's three main ways that you can reach into the equity in your home to to help supplement retirement income. One of them is called a reverse mortgage, which we see commercials on the television all the time for those. Yeah, you got to be a celebrity to, to advertise those, though. You oh, see is that them? the deal? You got to be a celebrity. Tom Selleck or somebody like that. They, those guys get on there and talk about them all, all the time. But yeah. Yep, yep. So, so, so a, a reverse mortgage. The second one is what we call a trade down, and then the third one is a sale leaseback. And all three of them have different functions and different. Purposes and pros and cons to them. Let's take let's take the most popular one that's out there because it's being advertised all the time, uh, and and that is a reverse mortgage. Now a reverse mortgage works just like your regular mortgage, but in reverse. So you need to be 62 years old or older, and your home needs to be paid for or very close to being paid for. And then what's going to happen is you're just going to do a reverse mortgage. So now the bank is going to get, send you payments each month just for being there. But they're tapping your equity. They're taking. They're your tapping your equity. That's correct. So that one day when you leave the home, you you owe this money in your house. Yeah, it's okay? like taking out another mortgage almost. Really. It, it is, but you it's 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 not well. It's similar to taking out another mortgage, Chris, except you don't have to make payments on it. The payments come out when you're done with the home, basically. Yeah, but so what happens if you when you run run out of equity and you're in a reverse mortgage, or can you? Well, can you run out of equity in a reverse mortgage? Yes, but it's unprobable because they give you such a low percentage of the money coming out. Okay. Uh, okay. And a lot of times, you know, one of the good news pieces of news is that that you know, well, obviously. You have to settle up one day when when you pass on or you move out of the house. You uh, you know so there's less money that ultimately goes to your heirs as a result of you know slowly liquidating the the equity inside the home. <coughs> Excuse me. But if property values rise, you could actually not have any indebtedness or any negative uh, amortization. Uh, I'm sorry, in any indebtedness happening to the equity inside of your home. Think about this. If 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 the home's worth five hundred thousand dollars and property values go up by five percent in the course of a year, let's just say that's twenty five thousand dollars, right? 
let's suppose you're pulling $1,000 a month out of the equity from your home. You're up $13,000 after receiving twelve grand of it. On the other hand, if property values go down, you could be down even more. So, so a reverse mortgage takes a lot of that into to account as to how much money they're going to give you. You know, there, the, there, another downside to reverse mortgage is that there's usually higher upfront costs than a traditional type of a mortgage. Um, you know, the closing costs are a little bit more ex- expensive, and, and there's uh, no reduction in the homeowner's cost. You're still in the same house, still same lawn care, maintenance, upkeep, utilities, all that kind of stuff. I did, it was one of those items you talked about a HELOC? I mean, why wouldn't you take a HELOC on, on something like that? Well, the purpose of a reverse mortgage is vastly different than a HELOC, Chris. When you take a HELOC, uh, which is a home equity line of credit, and you exercise it, let's suppose you pull $50,000 out of the house, at that moment then, then you're going to have to start making payments back. Uh, okay. Whereas a reverse mortgage, there are no payments back. The, the bank is just sending you a check each month and, and lowering the value of the equity inside of your home. It gets paid back one day when you're finished living in the house, when you sell the house, okay, uh, or, or pass on or something like that. That's when it gets paid back. But there are no payments during this period of time. Mm-hmm. Hence, the purpose is to increase cash flow. Another advantage that a reverse mortgage brings to the table, Chris, is the ability to stay in your same home. You don't have to move. Okay? So so the challenge, though, with a reverse mortgage versus what we call a sale leaseback is that the reverse mortgage gives you a lot less cash than a sale leaseback does. A sale leaseback is, is you actually sell your home, but you remain in it. You lease it back for life. Maybe you sell it to your adult kids. Okay? And now you're basically cashing out 100% of the equity inside of your home, and then you can start living off of that. That's more a keep it in the family kind of a thing, though. But what it is, is definitely more keep it in the family because now it also transfers the asset, a real estate asset, to a younger generation. Mm-hmm. Okay? Cashes out the parents. Now, the parents usually sign a lease for life back to the kids to make the kids mo- new mortgage payments. So if it's not a family thing, though, what if what if would an investor maybe possibly be interested in? I have seen that happen, yes, before with a client, where an investor will do a sale leaseback with a client. The client said, "Hey, you know, I I need need some cash." We said, "What about this idea?" And they said, "Yeah, they they liked it and and um, uh, put it all together, and it worked out very very well." She was able to stay in her home. Okay, now she had she had to uh, make the payments back through rent, but she was fine with that, but it enabled her to cash out a substantial amount of money mm-hmm. uh, and, and and live off of that. She still had to do the utility bills and things like that. You know, it depends on what the lease is. So, But the difference between a sale leaseback and a reverse mortgage is that a sale leaseback will give you access to 100% of the equity inside of your home versus a reverse mortgage uh, minimal amounts. You'll, get, you'll end up with more dollars doing a rever- doing a sale leaseback. Uh, it, it also enables you not to have to move as well. So, so when you're thinking reverse mortgage, and again, items titled in the news here, when you're thinking reverse mortgage, also remember there's there's three choices: reverse mortgage, sale leaseback, which we just talked about, and then trade, and then a trade down. Now, a trade down is different from a reverse mortgage or a sale leaseback in that a trade down will actually you're going to sell your home. 
you're going to move to maybe a smaller, less maintenance type of a home. When you're doing that, you'll be cashing out some of your equity, okay, to to help live off of. But usually when you do a trade down, it enables you to lower your monthly expenses, less lawn care, less maintenance upkeep. You don't have to paint the back deck, you know, that kind of stuff. Which one of these has the least amount of tax uh, implications? Which one of these has the least amount of tax implications? Yeah, because if you sell a home and you get a and you've got a lot of equity in that home, that that equity comes to you tax free, right? Or do you? Have well, to- it does if you're married filing jointly up to five hundred thousand okay. dollars. So let's suppose that you sell. Let's suppose that you sell uh, the home during a sale leaseback. Let's say you bought the home for five hundred thousand, uh, and then later in life now it's worth eight hundred thousand dollars and it's paid. You cash out the whole eight hundred thousand, and it's all tax free. Nice. Okay, because you get up to five hundred thousand married finally jointly. Uh, for a single, it's two hundred fifty thousand. As long as you've been been in the house in both scenarios, uh, two of the last five years, it's been your primary residence. Now, on top of that, also the payments of a reverse mortgage that you know, suppose the reverse mortgage is going to pay you fifteen hundred dollars a month. That's not taxable to you either. So there so, are no tax implications of any of these. Then really, you're just no, there choosing. could be tax implications of a, of a sale leaseback if you uh, profit more than the two fifty or five hundred. Yes, yeah, yeah. okay, um, but most of the time that's not the case right now. Uh, it just depends on how long ago you you know you purchased gotcha. the house. Yeah, yeah. You know, look at Warren Buffett. He bought his house in Omaha, Nebraska. What in the sixties or something? Stayed there his <laughs> whole life, right? Yeah, that okay. still surprises me. But yeah. I think it's kind of neat. It is anyway. kind of cool. Warren Buffett in Nebraska. You would think some guy like that's going to be in New York City on Wall Street somewhere, but <laughs> he's just kind of chilling. It's awesome. Yep, yep. Anyway, so 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 those are the, the the two, three main things. But let me let me dive further back into this into the trade down. Now, one of the downsides with the trade down is that you will move because you're trading down to a smaller, less expensive type of a home. You could take the equity that you have in your existing home and you could move it in and pay cash for the new home, or you could choose to cash some of it out and have a small, manageable mortgage in, in retirement years. Well, that would help your cash flow quite a bit, possibly. All three of these help your cash flow. That's True. the purpose of them. But if you wanted to drop to a smaller home, and you know, a lot of people like to sort of downsize as they get older and, and not have as many stairs, so to speak. So. Yep, yep, exactly. That's exactly right. So, so three key ways to, to look at managing equity inside of your property during your retirement years. So uh, let's take a quick break here, Chris. So it's almost uh, time to do that. Give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. Any subject at all on your mind today, the economy, interest rates, mortgages, whatever the scenario may be, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Listen to Making Money since I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. 
and Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Now, here's Larry Rosenthal. If you'd like to dial in to talk to Larry, here's the telephone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 for our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. Welcome back, Chris. Hey, thanks. Let's switch roles. You take the last 15. How's that sound? Uh, yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we can talk about more in the news, right? I'm not showing you my notes, news. so you can just make it up, right? Yeah, we can. We can. I mean, if we're going to talk about that, I, we should talk about roller coasters because that's kind of where things have been for a while, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering if we're going to get some stability. It just feels like it's, we've been on a roller coaster for a long time. I think we'll get more stability in the markets here once earnings come out in April and May. And they see where they are. And, again, the market's going to trade on inflationary pressures going forward. Hmm. You know? So just deal with it. So, you know. <laughs> Thanks, the, Larry. I will. I'll just deal with it. Well, what I, what I mean by that, though, is, is, just, is just deal with the volatility like that. But understand that when we're in a new cycle of rising interest rates, there's places you should move your money towards and places you should ah. move your money away from. That's gotcha. what I mean by deal with it. Gotcha. Because you're, you're just looking and you're going, okay, well, if interest rates are going up, what's good? If interest rates are going down or, 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 or up, what's bad? Want to gravitate towards the good away from the bad. That will um, uh, really help you out as far as you know, yeah. I thought understanding you were, what, what, what's going on. That's what I mean by deal. I thought you were talking like my high school coach. Suck it up. Suck it up, man. No, <laughs> not at all. There's, there's always choices and things to do and, and stuff you. like that. So yeah, let's yeah. welcome Peter on the line. Good morning, Peter. How are you today? Oh, Oops, I, we, I think he just hung up. We just lost him real quick. Hopefully he'll call did. us back. Maybe he'll give us a ring back. Give yeah. us a ring back, Peter. 855-ROSE-123. Um, you know, so so more stuff in the news, Chris. I've been, I've been, I, you know, I see this all the time: negative uh, ads and positive ads about annuities. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, since my theme today is sort of in the news, right? And yeah. um, l l l l let's talk about the purpose of annuities first, and and I want to drive some education here. First of all, every investment product out there has pros and cons to it, and they all have a specific investment objective attached to it, right? If I get on my 10-speed bicycle, I've got an objective involved with that versus getting in my automobile. Fair enough? Fair enough. Okay. So, you know, the bicycle, leisure, exercise, the car, I need to get somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, You're not getting much exercise that way, but yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, so, you know, just like annuities or mutual funds or UITs or closed-end funds or ETNs or stocks or bonds or whatever it is. A plethora of uh, products out there. Yeah. They all have pros and cons to them. 
So annuities seem to be in the news a lot lately. There's there's people talking about how they love them and how they hate them and, and all that kind of stuff. And understand the purpose of an annuity. The purpose is to deliver income for life for both you and your spouse. What other investment can do that from a guaranteed standpoint? Yeah. No. Crickets, right? There There is none, okay? Um, so, so an annuity can do that. It can also help close the retirement income gap. Let's suppose you're going to retire and you want $5,000 a month to live off of after tax, and pensions and Social Security are giving you 2500 of that. Money in an annuity could give you another 1000 of that, and then, boom, you're closing down your income gap. Make sense? So, so you, can, you can look at how that works. If you're looking at a regular investment account, then, yes, in order to deliver the income that you want, that money's not liquid. You have to have that money producing income for you, right? So people say, well, money in an annuity is not liquid. If you reach in and pull it out, it shuts off your income. That's correct. But if you have money in a regular investment account and you – reach in and pull it all out, it could lower or shut off your income too, correct? So so lots of pros and cons to this. Uh, there's, there's also some guaranteed benefits, which we'll, we'll talk about here after after we uh, pick up these phone calls real quick. Let's welcome uh, Ray on the line. Good morning, Ray. How can I help you? Um, I have a piece of property. I have a mortgage on my house. My house is located on the, on the property, and I'm wanting to cut out a lot out of the property and sell the lot how can i avoid taxes once i sell the lot i suppose my question is whoever i sell the lot to could i have them pay the payment to the mortgage or the the sale of the property to the mortgage because it's uh i i have a mortgage on the property so to answer your question on how can you get out of paying the tax, you know, you're going to have to talk to your tax preparer, your CPA there when you when you parcel out the land. It's really more of a CPA question. Not sure you can ever get out of paying tax. You can minimize taxes. Um, but I I would refer that to one of our CPA partners on answering the question. I don't know how your property's zoned right now. I don't know where it is. And and before I go down all different rabbit holes here, that's the answer that I that I would counsel you with on that. Now, as far as when you sell this lot that you're going to parcel off, can you have the purchaser pay you to cover the mortgage payments of the house that's still standing uh, on the other lot? No. no. Can whoever I sell it to can they pay the mortgage company? Can they send that? Say I sell it for. $30,000, can they send the $30,000 to my mortgage company on behalf of my loan? Probably. Are you trying to do that to avoid you get paying tax on the money? Correct. Well, the the you got that's a CPA question really and I don't think it's going to work for you. Cuz right. now you're you're receiving this um, based off the proceeds of a sale. There's an actual transaction. There's a capital gain that's taking place. It's a taxable event. Okay. Okay. So. Well, thank you for taking my question. 
Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Lisa on from Ellicott City. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today? Uh, very well. I have uh, two properties from my deceased parents. Um, we could not find a will, although we think we, ha- we had one, but we can't find a will. So I became the administrator of the two properties combined have about a hundred and seventy thousand dollars worth um, left on a mortgage. Um, I am paying both of the mortgages. Uh, they have been deceased for a year now. Uh, my son is about to go to college, and so that will be challenging to continue to pay both of the mortgage. Both of the mortgages combined is about two thousand dollars, and I would like to sell both properties, um, now that we're over the emotional turmoil, I would like to sell both properties, but both of them need a little bit of repair. Um, But I don't have the finances to invest in them, like replacing the roof and replacing the carpet and painting. That's pretty much what is wrong with both properties. So I'm kind of stuck as to what to do. Um, Sell it as is and just get it off or, or sell it low as possible just to get it off or, or what or should I try to support or get as much as possible to be spread out to the rest of the five siblings so Lisa I'm sorry for your loss first of all and the there, there's a couple of ways that you can really attack this scenario here <clears throat> excuse me the first way is to sell as is and see what the market will bear and see if the proceeds of that will cover your needs and the desires of you and your other siblings. Um, the Since you seem to be the one paying all the upkeep and, and mortgages and everything on these properties, I don't know how you're going to work that out with your siblings, um, if they're going to receive less or what the story is there. Um, you can also look at maybe selling one property, renting another. Uh, maybe you end up with some positive cash flow, sell property A, refinance property B, put this money down from property A on on it, uh, lower your monthly obligation, and receive positive cash flow if you rent it out. That could actually help put your son through college uh, because now you're you're garnering positive cash flow there. So I see three or four different ways that you can really sort of attack the, the scenario that you're talking about there. But really, you first need to sort of sit down and figure out how you're going to split these proceeds and or income with your siblings and what's fair and equitable for all for all of you all involved. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. My Did question you... is, a follow-up question, um, how can yep. I rent and receive income when it belongs to the estate? Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the, the, the estate's going to be settled out at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So when the estate gets settled out, who, how does, how do the properties transfer down to the heirs? Are they to be sold, or, or transferred as is, and everybody split it up? Well, there wasn't a will, so um, I'm just the administrator, and I guess I have to decide. Yep. So we probably need to get you talking to an estate attorney in, in Maryland, and then, you know, since you are the one in, in charge, sit down with your siblings and, and see what everybody wants to do. 
Lisa, I've got music in my ears here. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'll come back on the line after we get off the show. But I need to I need to close out the show right now. Let me put you on hold, and I'll pick you up uh, in in a minute. I'll give you some suggestions here in just a second. Um. Well, this morning, Chris, I wanted to talk a little bit about Proverbs 10. It's got lots of uh, good good instruction on money management and prudence with it and things like that. So uh, that's what I wanted to say. Never got to it today, unfortunately. So for Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back next Saturday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.